I'm in the computer room. So mine is actually, she's out there painting some um, benches for our front porch. Oh, cool. Oh, Bree is Great. in Rhode Island doing her final for the Naval War College right now. Oh, good luck to her. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You, you two are always juggling so much. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I can... we're live. It says we're live. Yeah. Yes. I can find it on Facebook. Hi, everyone. If you see us, let's see. Are we popping up? We are. There we go. See, and um, it's it's funny. So uh, the first, like, I want to say six to eight months that we started doing Trans Tuesday, we started this in April of last year when we started going live weekly with our show. Um, nine times out of 10 of somebody was like calling me out like, Cass, you're live. It was Anne's wife, Miranda. <laughs> like, like I would yeah. always say, and she's always like, Cash, you're live. <laughs> like, here we go. Is it on is it on club members, My Feminine Heart or My Feminine oh. Heart? So just the My Feminine Heart page is right where we are streamed to. Uh, yep. And Beth McKinley's letting us know. Yes, you are good. Hi, Beth. She's one of our new club members. Hi, Rami. Um, so excited for tonight. So usually I try to take us live a few minutes early. Um, but we just kept chit-chatting so much behind the scenes <laughs> that by the time we're live, we're ready to go. Um, so if everybody is ready, I'm just going to get us started because this is just so exciting. Uh, so first of all, it's June 1st. Yeah. Hi, month. Welcome, Hi, everybody. Yeah. Yay. And we actually have Pride events going on around the country. It's so exciting. Um, oh yeah, just, just what a great month. And we have so many exciting things planned tonight, especially. So it's Trans Tuesday. As I always say, it is my absolute favorite night of the week. And this is the long awaited panel of wives. Um, so I have been getting the request to do this panel since Mary White um, first came on our show last October with her wife, Tina, who transitioned 2013. 2013. Um, so Mary, thank you so much for coming back today and joining the rest of the lovely ladies who are actually making their debut on Tuesday tonight. You're welcome. <laughs> so um, after Mary uh, uh, and Tina had come on the show in October, Mary joined and became a club member. Uh, and Anne is one of our club members too. And all of the ladies on here, their spouses have all been featured on My Feminine Heart. So um, back in January, we had Lieutenant Colonel Bree Fram. Her wife, Peg, is here tonight. Peg, welcome. Thank you. And um, Anne, so your wife, Miranda Jones, was the first um, person to come on to uh, talk about living dual gendered and how she uh, was living part-time as Miranda and part-time as her other self. Mm -hmm. And she was the first person to come on um, and talk about that on screen. So uh, we had one other lady who came on before who talked about that she lived part-time, uh, but she was not as comfortable out and about in her femme persona. So we did the, we kind of did it like those old dateline 
episodes where it was like dark <laughs> screen and you know, yeah. um so I, I greatly appreciated uh, Miranda's bravery in coming on to share her story because up until then we really only had um you know sisters on who had fully transitioned because they were out and they were really comfortable and Miranda really broke the ice for that um so you know everybody who comes on my feminine heart I'm just I'm so grateful for their time and for sharing their stories. And uh, since all of your spouses have been on, very excited to share your side of the story and your journey. Um, because we all know that, you know, if, if one significant other is experiencing the journey of transition, it's it's the spouse, it's it's the family that's all doing it together. So ladies, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your time tonight. Um, so for everybody who is joining us, if you have uh, never seen My Feminine Heart before, if you are new to Trans Tuesday, we do this every Tuesday night. We are an online interactive show. And boy, we have the comments coming in oh already. <laughs> so we are here to answer um, all of your questions and comments. I'm going to try keeping um, track back and forth. Uh, we also have a membership online. So I asked our members uh, last week, well, as we've been prepping for this, you know, what questions do you have for the ladies? And they've been sharing in our Facebook group how excited they were for tonight and to have their spouses watch with them. So again, thank you all so, so much. Um, before I head into to questions, I'd love for everybody to get to know you all a little bit first. Um, so, you know, Mary, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about yourself, you are the, the veteran on here, as in you've been on, you've, you've told your story, but for those who are new to my feminine heart tonight, as our audience has grown and grown and grown. So I should say, if you want to hear, um, Mary's full story and her wife, Tina's full story, um, you can find all the links to them on the uh, transition story page of the My Feminine Heart website. So you can listen to them for hours. Um, and there's even links to their books and you can read their book too. Uh, but Mary, for those of you um, who you are new to tonight, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So hi everyone and thank you for coming. So my name is Mary White. My wife, Tina and I live in Asheville, North Carolina. We have five children that live across the country we also have five grandchildren. Um, I grew up in a very small town in Michigan where girls married straight out of high school. Not only did we marry straight out of high school, we married straight. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what gay was. I never met a Jewish person. Diversity was not in my vocabulary. I just, it was that small, 2,100 people. So at the age of 18, I did what everybody else did at my little town. I got married. So by the time I was 20, I had two kids. Yeah. At, at 25, I found a job and at 26, I divorced. So that that's what, I mean, we didn't all divorce, but we all got married right out of high school. 20, I guess it's been uh, 23 years ago now. I met this amazing man on a flight from Chicago to Columbus, Ohio. It was a one hour flight. And in that hour, in talking with him, I just knew he was, he was amazing. His name was Tom. He ended up being the love of my life. 
And um, yes, you can meet the love of your life on a flight. So <laughs> when you fly, make sure you, you know, dress to impress because you just never know who will be sitting next to you. So we were both living in Chicago and consulting in Ohio. And he happened to sit next to me on a plane and that's how we met. So we started meeting that, or dating that very next week. Five months later, on that same flight, he proposed to me over the intercom on the flight. It was amazing, yeah. And then a year later, after that, we got married in Jamestown, Rhode Island, and Tom planned the entire wedding, including he wrote our vows, he took care of the catering, he even took care of the cake. His father performed the ceremony since he was a, a pastor, and um, there, that was probably a clue, right? He planned the entire wedding. I just showed up. I literally just showed up. I was out touring mansions with my family. And Tom said, make sure you're back in time for the wedding. <laughs> and I was. And that was that was another one of those uh, things I should have put in the back of my mind. Hmm, that's not normal. But so, yeah, how many men would do that? Um, but before we married, Tom and I were dating a lot. And and talking all every day. And he told me one time when I asked him, you know, what his intentions were, because he was going to meet my daughter, I was meeting his kids. And, and uh, he, he said, Well, I have something to tell you, I have this uncontrollable desire to dress as a woman. He assured me I'd never have to see it or participate in it. So I thought he's such a great guy. Perhaps it's a, some type of fetish. As long as I didn't have to participate, what do I care? After all, you know, he, he is, was worth it. So our marriage was a fairy tale perfect. It really, it was, a, it was, he was, it's been said that the man I married was designed as a woman would design him. Imagine that. There's another clue. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So he would dress as a woman in secret and eventually started seeing clothes that weren't mine. Shoes that didn't fit me. His dressing became more frequent and less private. This other woman started appearing daily. I hated her. Her name was Tina. She would show up about every other year at first and then every year and finally every day. When Tina left and Tom came back, which I longed for, Oh, this makes me cry. <laughs> I noticed Tom would be quiet, quiet and find projects to keep him busy. He was just not happy. However, when Tina was in the room, her face would light up. My face would cry when Tina was in the room. During Tina's visits, I would cry and beg. I would just, I just want my Tommy back. I, Tina would say, I'm right here. So picture this, I'm looking at Tina and she's saying, Tom is right here. No, Tom wasn't there. This other woman was there. I said, you don't understand. I, I said to him, I lost my last husband to another woman. Now I'm losing the love of my life once again to another woman. Only this time it's worse. The bitch wants me to be your best friend. <laughs> it's, it's true. So all the while this was going on and Tom was figuring out who he, who he was, I couldn't tell anybody. I was all alone. Couldn't tell my sister. 
I, I, t Tom slash Tina would go to therapy and hang out with other trans people in New York City, but I was all alone in a suburb of New Jersey. And I just cried. I basically cried for three years. It was just awful. I couldn't tell anybody. And then one day I burst into the bathroom. Tom had been in there for a very long time and I knew he was depressed and I was sure he was trying to kill himself. Luckily, he was just sitting in the tub crying. I sat next to the tub, held his hand, and that's when I knew I had to accept that he had to transition or that Tom would no longer be my husband. He would, he would be gone. So I, am I going on too long? No, Mary. Okay. I told these ladies 10 minutes ago, we don't need to cry tonight. <laughs> like 13 minutes. <laughs> so there I was, you know, I knew Tina was going to come be, be a part of my life and Tom was going to be gone. And I'm, I'm like, what do I do? Should I stay? Should I, what, you know, I knew I'd lose friends and possibly family, but I also knew I loved Tom and I didn't want him to go through this alone. So I stayed through the first stage coming out. His friends said they would still be there for us, but you know what? <laughs> they stopped calling and we were no longer invited to neighborhood get togethers. <sighs> no matter how sad I was or how many friends I lost, I, I couldn't leave. I think God put us together because he knew, or she knew, just how strong a woman I am. And that Tom needed me to help him get through this transition. Obviously I stayed through the entire transition and I do love her so much. I did lose friends, but they really weren't my friends. A couple of my family members are distant, which is extremely hard. But I hope in time that they, will turn around and, be, and love him, as, love her as much as I love her and be in our lives again. Some of the things that I really worried about that I didn't think about were my economic future. Would Tina lose her job? Would my career suffer? These had nothing to do with Tina or me. We still had the same skills or ambitions, but we both, would we both be fired? Could I lose my pension? rights. These were things I hadn't thought about until at that time. And what about my rights? I'd never paused to consider these before. If I didn't divorce, was I breaking the law? Were my benefits intact? Could a clerk take them away? Now, this was back in 2013 when the clerk refused to give the license to the gay couple. I was worried about my own identity too. What would people think? You know, I, I'm not a lesbian. Are they gonna think I'm a lesbian? But you know what? I really don't care anymore. And quite frankly, if they do, that means Tina's passing and that's good for her. So I just tell them I'm a situational lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Situation makes me one. <laughs> <laughs> So throughout our journey, I lost friends or people I thought were friends, but you know, there have been so many people like this group that are so welcoming and loving. And I found my new family in the LGBTQ community. I just never thought about and thought I'd be part of the LGBTQ community. 
and have to fight for equal rights, but we all do now. And now when I travel, I have to think about, are we safe? I never had to think about that before. So now, you know, I have to look into what are the laws for, H for LGBTQ, especially trans people. They're just not safe in a lot of countries. So that's part of, that's my story in a nutshell. I'm gonna say in the end, love wins. And Mary, thank you. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Um, so who wants to follow Mary? <laughs> <laughs> if, no. if, it, if it helps, um, Mary has spoken many times publicly for, you know, before the HRC, like she's, she's professionally spoken on, on their story. And just, I don't know if there's a more oh, way to get it out. Thank you. Well, I'm completely fine with going next. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, Kate has a very different, every lady on here has a very different story, which is what's so exciting about tonight. Peg, please tell us a so, little more about yourself. My name is Peg, and I am married to a Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force, soon to be in the Space Force. Uh, her name is Bree Fram. Many of you know her. Um, I grew up in Northern Minnesota, in not necessarily a small town, but a smaller town. <laughs> Um, and I'm trying to think, um, I was the only child in a very large family. So I had a very large extended family. Um, so I didn't have brothers and sisters, but I had a lot of cousins that I was very close to and could be my brothers and sisters. Um, I met Brie over Yahoo dating site way back in 2000 oh. when Yahoo used to do, um, dating, a uh, dating app. <laughs> And um, I decided one night with a girlfriend, we were working security for a university, that it would be really funny to post a completely honest uh, dating personals ad about how we wanted a serious relationship and we were maybe slightly overweight and we were graduating, but we didn't really know what we wanted to do with our lives. And it just, it flowed out. <laughs> Uh, it took 24 hours to post and the next day I had 99 responses and she had 98. Wow. Oh, wow. It was crazy and we had a lot of potential serial killers, um, <laughs> some possibly just very strange ones and then I was reading one and it was from a guy named Brian and he was going to college in the same town that I was at a different college and I wish I had kept that response. Uh, I would love to read it now and I wish I could remember what he said, but something about it just made me stop dead and go, oh, <laughs> this could be the one. I, I, wow. Um, so my girlfriend who was there with me made me um, respond to him and we got, we talked online and over the phone for about a week and then we met for our first date. Um, like I said, that was back in 2000 and we've been together ever since. Uh, so together, 21 years, married to 17 this year. Um, my story is a little different from many people's in the fact that about two weeks into our relationship, uh, at the time, Brian told me that he liked to dress in women's clothing and that he wasn't sure if that exactly what that meant, if he was a cross-dresser, if he was transgender, he didn't know yet, but we were 20 and 21 and I was like, eh. Who am I to tell you what you can do? It's going to be fine. We'll figure it out. Um, and over the past 21 years, it has been a roller coaster of 
Brie figuring out who she is in the world, in her career, in our marriage, and in our children's lives. We have two girls, 12 and 8. Um, so it it has been uh, <laughs> it's been a really crazy roller coaster, but I do feel very lucky in the fact that I was clued in very early in our relationship as to the fact that there was something in her that needed to come out. Um, so I did not have what I call the gut punch feeling of finding out um, a little later on uh, in our relationship that I know can happen to a lot of people. Um, and I think that's about it about our life and how I found out, but thank you for letting me share. Hey, thank you so much. Um, and Anne, would you like to share a little of your story, which is very different from, from Mary and Peg's. I love how everybody has such a unique journey that has brought them here tonight. Oh, and Anne, I have you muted. I know. Right, I was getting a little feedback, so I muted everybody. You're okay. You're okay. Um, so yeah, I'm Anne. I'm Miranda's wife. Um, our story is very different as well. Um, We've been together for 31 years. Uh, we'll be married 28 in July. We have four girls. Um, I grew up in Maryland, born and raised, a uh, strict Catholic family. Um, two, two brothers, I was the middle, the only girl. Um, and then uh, we, we met, um, he was, stationed at 8th and I in DC and we met at a bar in DC um, and it worked. Here we are 31 years later, we're still together. Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, the joke is so like, I, I was drunk that night, so drunk. I don't even remember meeting him. Um, and he carried me out to the car and everything like that. So, you know, we tell the girls, okay, so we're that, you know, don't get drunk, don't drink too much. And also at the same time, he was underage. So girls don't lie about your age when you go into a bar and everything like that. Anyway, um, but so he came out to me four years ago. So I've only been in this process for four years now. Um, he uh, I had gone out with a friend and, and had come home and was getting ready for bed, telling him about my, my night with my friend and everything. And I just kind of kept looking over at him and um, you just, you know, you just know that they want to tell you something. And, and so, you know, I did, I came out and I said, are you okay? What's wrong? What's wrong? And, uh, you know, he's uh, hemmed and hawed. And, you know, and meanwhile, my heart's going like that. Like, I'm, I'm what, what is going on here? You know? Um, and uh, finally he, you know, he got closer to me and okay. Okay. Just, just tell me, just, just, just tell me what, what is it? You know? And then I finally came out and I said, are you having an affair on me? Um, and he said, no, no, it's not that. And then said, you know, I, I, um, 
I'm transgender. I, I have a feminine side. Um, and to be honest, I don't remember everything else he said because I was just kind of, what? I, I don't even know what that means. Um, so it really has been a learning process for um, the both of us. Um, and then I, he, he did give me a letter the next day. It was basically his coming out letter to me. Um, and so I was able to kind of understand a little bit more, but it, but it, you know, it, it's a process. Um, it's an ebb and flow with me. Some days I'm supportive and some days I'm just, how could you, what? I, so it, it, it's only been a few years for us, but we're still together. Um, and uh, that, that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell for me, really. And thank you so much. And thank you, thank you everyone. Um, so now everybody in our audience knows these three incredible, very different journeys. Please feel free, I'm watching the chat if you have any questions. I did ask questions of our club members um, coming into this and I and I sent some questions to the ladies in advance that I, I, I thought would would be asked. So um, we have we have a lot to cover. Um, but if you want your questions in, please send them in. The first one came from uh, one of our club members and um, it talks about now this is this is this is like a question comment. My wife is semi-supportive, but simply has no affection or attraction to the feminine me. Essentially, I turn her off. Uh, she's jealous of the time I spend as my feminine self. I do not believe she's interested in a closer relationship. Now, for the three of you ladies, is there any part of that statement that has connected with part of your journey or the journey of, of a friend that you know? Because every lady on here is somehow or somehow been a part of um, spousal support groups or you know trans support groups. So they've they've created their communities too. So I I have asked if they've heard of if they've known of a story or heard of an anecdote from somebody else that might help to share that as well. Does this speak to anybody? Oh please well, I was just gonna say that um, it's very difficult Sometimes, I mean, I identify as bisexual and I did have relationships with women uh, a few before Brie and I had gotten together. Um, but it's, it's very different when you go from seeing your husband um, as your husband, as a sexual being, as someone you're attracted to, and then all of a sudden they change. And they change into a woman that for a while, it's very hard for you to remove their male form from their female form. So every time you look at them, you still see the male them. And it's it, it's not so much that it's a turnoff in my case, it's that it was a very jarring juxtaposition to see my husband in this woman's face and to see my husband's body changed into a female body. And sometimes, like I said, it wasn't that I was turned off. It's that I could not make that mesh in my head that this was still the same individual that I loved. And so physically, it was very, it was more confusing to me than anything else. 
and it definitely took our sex life a little bit of a little while to get back on track after that. Thank you for sharing that. That's a, a beautiful answer. Would anyone else like to speak to this or should I move to our next question? I could, I'd say, so I can relate to that comment completely because um, when Tina was going through all of her figuring out who she was, it was all about her. It was, she was just so self-absorbed and it was me, me, me. How do I look? How do I look? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I was like, God, it's not all about you. Stop. And I'm going to just say this. I'm still, I'm, I will never be sexually attracted to her ever because I'm not a lesbian. I'm just not, I'm not attracted to that. I'm attracted to that person. I love that person, but not sexually attracted to her and I never will be, but I'm older. So I really don't care. You know, she doesn't care. We, we, uh, and I've told her she wanted to go experiment, let me know and I'd let her do it, but she doesn't, she knows too much about men, I think, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, um, but I think it's okay to, for me, it's okay not to be sexually attracted to her and not ever having that kind of a thing. And I think it's okay with her because we have so much more, um, you know, emotionally and our lives together are so great. We're so great with each other. She's my best friend and sex isn't everything. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. I mean, I know it's, it's, these are, we're, we're going to get personal tonight <laughs> in our already. Um, and, and your answer kind of, um, leads into, you know, one of the other questions was, you know, we had another member ask suggestions to limit feelings of infringement on wife's femininity. So um, did you ever feel overwhelmed as your spouse became more feminine with it infringing on your own femininity? And Mary, you touched on that a little where we've talked before, where you've just said, it's not always about you. You know, all the shoes, the, the makeup, the yes, everything. Would anyone else like to speak to that? I was just going to say that um, I don't know that it infringed on my femininity, but I did get tired of hearing her ask for affirmation constantly. How do I look? Does this look okay? And I guess... I'm not sure if they all do that in the beginning. She doesn't do it anymore, but in the beginning it was overwhelming. And, and I would just say, you know what? Go look in the mirror. I'm tired of answering. You know, it's not all about you. Maybe you should start thinking about other people. So. And I guess um, from my perspective on it, it it did really undercut my feelings of femininity because I am not an overly feminine girl. Um, I do a lot of things that are considered traditional male um, pastimes like building things. I have a large collection of power tools um, that my dad gives me. Um, and it did, it was having this other person who is more feminine than I am did really kind of hurt who I was as a girl and made me double and triple check myself and think, do I look pretty today? Or 
it was a very hard situation because I did feel like it almost attacked my femininity in a way and made me focus on all these ways that I didn't feel overly feminine. And is that why she picked me? Because I am not as feminine as many women. So did she see that in me and think, oh, we'll mesh well because I am a girly girl. <laughs> Um, so that was really difficult. And there are still times when we go out together that I look at her and I almost want to cry. Cause I just want to be like, I just want to be the pretty one. Can I just be the pretty one, please? Um, but that's my thought. Thank you. Thank you, Peg. Um, and then we had, we had another one. Um, this is, this is kind of a tough one to answer. Um, it, so the comment was, it involves encouraging couples to allow their relationship to evolve into something both never potentially thought possible. Um, and as you've, you've all shared, you entered relationships that you were not necessarily expecting to be where you're at now when you first entered. Um, so the question is, and I, I don't know if anyone, um, can really answer this to anyone specifically, but how, how does one let their guard down enough to just trust that things will work out? Or is that too much to ask trusting to work out that far in advance? Is it more of like a one day at a time thing? So how does, how does trust come in with something like this? So I was going to say what you just said, just take it a day at a time and see what happens. You don't have to make a long-term decision on day one. Just take it, you know, each day and see what tomorrow brings. And I mean, as I said, that's what I did. I just took it. I was there to help through this and help through that and help through this. And lo and behold, I never left because it's working. And, and I didn't think it would in the beginning and it is working. So maybe just take it day at a time, one day at a time. Thank you. Would anyone else like to speak to, to trust and letting your guard down? Okay, we have a question from our audience. By the way, um, Peg, several of the ladies are writing in that they think that you're the pretty one. So just so you know, the audience is with you. Sorry, Brie. <laughs> nobody wants to question your, your femininity anymore. Um, so from, from Rami, um, she says, she says, thank you, ladies. And by the way, just, I can't wait for after this for y'all to see the chat. It's just so many people are so excited that you're here and thanking you. And um, so Rami would like to know, would your relationship change if your partners go through gender reassignment surgery? Or for any of you that have experienced that, was there a time when you thought that was not something that you could accept? I hate to, I hate to dominate this conversation, but I'm just going to say, well, my wife did go through it and um, it didn't matter because when she started on her hormone treatments, she started to change her physical appearance started changing already. And I, I didn't, I no longer was attracted to her physically anyway, and it completed her and she had to do that. So um, it, it made like I said, before she transitioned, um, before she did the surgery, re the reassignment surgery, she was already transitioning physically with her soft skin and her 
you know, she did have facial feminization surgery as well. And she had um, the breast dog. So I was, it was, I wasn't attracted to that, any of that anyway, in that manner. Thank you. Would anyone else like to speak to this? Um, well, we're, we're kind of heading towards that area in our relationship of starting these discussions of what do you want to do? Um, when do you want to do it? Um, and my line has always been, I can't really say I'm pro-choice and feminist if I can't tell you it is your body and what you need to do to it is what you need to do and I will support that. And we still have a sexual relationship and are attracted to each other and things like that. I always think, okay, we'll tackle this one thing at a time. <laughs> like we'll start, we'll start at the first one at whatever she decides she wants to do and we'll work from there. Um, but I really, I'm really afraid that if I am not supportive enough that she could grow to resent me for not allowing her to do what she needs to be herself. And I remember once when we were, it's not surgery, but when we were dating, um, I got my first tattoo and she didn't talk to me for like two days because she was so mad at me for, for doing that to myself, as she put it. And all I can think is, wow, she was mad at me for a tattoo. And now we're talking about breast augmentation and gender reassignment surgery and wow. <laughs> This is the complete opposite of what we were before. And to her credit, she has since apologized for that and realized that she was in the wrong for making those comments. But um, it's it's crazy. It's so funny. As you were telling your story, before you said that in my head, I'm like, wow, my husband doesn't even want me to get a tattoo. <laughs> I think that's a debate that we have. So um, thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing. I know that these are these are tough and sometimes personal questions. Um, one of the things that uh, has always, um, I've always noticed about Miranda is how chatty she is. She's a communicator. Um, but then I got to hear a podcast that Ann and Miranda were on and they, they talked about that a lot. And Miranda talked about um, and if I may, I, I, I understand a big part of your relationship is communication and the time that you take with each other, because, you know, um, this is the newest for you of, of, of all the ladies here and you are in the midst of so much of it right now. Um, can you talk about some of the communication strategies that you use? Because it sounds like the first time Miranda came out to you that it was quite scary. Yeah, and, and dramatic. So how has the communication kind of leveled out since then? Um, you know, it it it's again, it's it's one of the it's ups and downs. Um I kind of say, thank God for the pandemic. Um we did a lot of walks. We went on a lot of walks, um, even before it started, but throughout the the shutdown and <clears throat> everything like that you know we still continued our walks and for us that's where we have some of our deepest conversations some of our hardest conversations um i can always tell when they want 
to say something because it's kind of a just the way their body language is and 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 their struggle and and then it's finally they come out and they start talking about what they want to say but um they know that if they say something that really gets to me deeply um i need time i need time to process i need time to think i will say i heard you but i need time to process this to think about a reply before i just lash out at you um but we but really talking 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 has been our big thing um and and that has what that is what's helped with us um talking really anything uh for for any of you and thank you Anne. for any of you you know talking about this communication um you know you have two sources of information you have your spouse sharing information with you but there's so much out there support groups books things on the internet is there anything that any of you have read or gone to that has helped understand what your spouse has been communicating to you as they're trying to as they've been trying to understand it for themselves is there any book or resource that you would tell somebody else this is this is a go to this is what i recommend as like a step one manual i've i've read um uh what is that book God doesn't make mistakes. Um, I've read that and read a couple of other different, I, I don't even remember the, the names of, of the books, but honestly, that's the only resource I've had. I, I have not, I don't have any spouse groups, any spouse, anything. Um, I have a great support system. I have couple of friends, um, a shout out to Lisa Smith, um, love her, but she has been a big, big friend and support for me um, since the get-go. And honestly, I have a few people that I have told, um, but, and I think that's, I think that's kind of where my issue is, is, um, and I was just telling somebody last week that we had, when we had gone out, um, but in this four years, I have had a handful, a handful of people ask me, ask me personally, how am I doing in all of this? How are you doing in all of this? How are you handling this? What's going on? Four years and only about a handful of people. I have a story too but nobody seems to want to hear that story. Everybody wants to hear the other story, the transgender story. Um, and, and I think that's just something that, you know, it, it is different. You have three spouses on here who each have a different, we all have a different story of how this happened. And, you know, I, I wish we, had something more for for those of us who me are new to all of this um but at the same time 
getting our stories out is important. So I do appreciate what you are doing, Cass, um, for, for allowing us to get on here and tell our story. And like I said, you know, we do, we all have a different aspect of it, um, but it's still, it's still hard to talk about and um, to deal with, so. Well, thank you. And that is, you know, you said before, God bless the pandemic and that you had all these moments for communication, but there was this huge loss of support groups and that contact and community. So hopefully um, as those reopen, people will be able to, to connect with the people that they need to. Uh, I, go ahead. I just wanted to say that what made me realize what Tina was going through is I went to this thing called International Foundation of Gender Education in Philadelphia. Um, they called it IFGE, International Foundation for Gender Education. I had to look it up because I couldn't remember what it was called. But that was the very first thing Tina and I went to. At the time, it was Tom and I went to. And it was uh, a three-day uh, seminar. And I went and listened to a doctor talk about how one of the theories is, and I'm sure you, many of you have already heard this, one of the theories is in the womb as a baby is being developed that they everybody starts out as female. And if they're going to be a male, there are, um, the genitals are, you know, uh, being changed to say male. However, the brain hasn't gotten that testosterone yet. The testosterone made it to the genitals, but it didn't make it to the brain. And that's one of the theories of, and, and vice versa, of what causes somebody to be transgender. And for me, that was like, oh, that gave me an answer as to why she's feeling like this. Now maybe I can go look up that and try to understand what that's about. And that was an aha moment for me. And um, the other thing about spousal support, I was thinking about the Keystone Conference in, in um, Harrisburg always had um, things for spouses. Hopefully when they start that up again, and you could go to that. I don't know uh, if you went before the pandemic at all, um, but that was very helpful for me as well. We actually were supposed to um, give a, what is it? Um, presentation? A presentation about our communication and how we, um, how we communicate and, and, and then the shutdown. So, um, I, I, I would like to go. Um, I, I did, I did tell them, eh, I'm not sure if when it opens, if I would be ready to just jump right back in there. Um, it may, maybe I, go and see what this keystone is all about and go to some spouse, you know, spouse support meetings. Um, and then perhaps the next year, um, do a presentation on communication, but, but we were supposed to, um, we were supposed to give a presentation. So, but it didn't happen. So, <laughs> um, well, I hope you do go and just check it out at first. I did do a presentation there once too. 
um, about, but I was after going to a couple of um, years so I could see what it was all about first. And then I gave a presentation about our whole relationship. Um, and I have a follow-up question for you, but I want to give Peg a chance to answer the resource question if there was a resource that you had utilized that you'd like to share. Um, I was very lucky. I tried some online support groups, spouse support groups, um, and they weren't a really good fit for me. Um, but I was very lucky being in DC at the time that I was put in touch with a lot of transgender military individuals. Um, and their spouses through that. Um, I leaned a lot on a few fellow spouses um, who were kind enough to let me vent <laughs> my feelings, whether they be crying, rage, acceptance, um, who were willing to listen to me. And um, I didn't have any specific books, but I was um, a part of Keystone. I presented at Keystone a few times and gone with Brie. And that was wonderful. It was great. They have a wonderful spouse's side, um, places you can go to, people you can talk to. That was really wonderful um, and really focused on us as a spouse, which was really nice. Um, and then I was very lucky to have some good friends who, when I came out um, and told our coming out story and told them what was going on, one of my best friends actually went and did research on being transgender just so that she could talk to me about it. Um, so I wouldn't feel so alone. And uh, she still does that sometimes and will call me with a question and say, I was doing a little research <laughs> and I don't understand this. So I was just incredibly lucky in that aspect to have friends who cared enough to, to try really hard to connect with me. Thank you. Um, and a, and a follow-up to Anne. And Beth McKinley would like to know, a fellow club member. Um, so how, can somebody respectfully ask you how you are doing? Um, is there a, a time that you wouldn't want to be approached about it or that how, how best could somebody do a check-in with you? Just ask me, <laughs> just ask me. I, 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 both the times that I have been asked, the first time it was at one of the Christmas galas and, and that was Lisa, uh, we just, that was the first time I had met her. So, um, but she, we were sitting with each other talking and, and she just grabbed my hand and she said, how are you doing with all of this? And I was, wait, what? <laughs> You're asking me? <laughs> wait, what? Um, and then last week it was just, we were, we were just out and, and, um, person that I was talking to. Miranda was off talking to somebody else. And so I was at this table kind of all by myself um, with a couple other people. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not the one to start a conversation. I, that's not me. Um, I am the introvert in, in this relationship big time. Um, so I was kind of, you know, put in the spot. Um, this person started talking and, 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 and then came out and asked, you know, oh, and how are you doing with, with this again? Um, so honestly, just ask me, ask me how I'm doing. Um, I, and I'll tell you, I will tell you how I'm doing. Um, but I would, it, it's not often that that happens. Um, and even family, um, you know, 
they heard the podcast. They had no idea about my side of it. No, because you didn't ask. And had you asked, I would have been more than happy to tell you how I'm doing. Um, but so I think I think even with the podcast, it's come as a surprise that, oh, Anne actually has a voice too. Um, but it's it, and and it's a voice that, you know, somebody another wife could be feeling the same I'm feeling, and so just simply ask, just ask. So I'd I'd like to say a couple things to that. One, you know it's, this is such a great reminder. We never realize the impact we have on somebody else's world. You know, all Lisa, Lisa, I hope you're still watching. And she, she is, um, you know, all she did was walk up and say, how are, how are you doing? And years later, it is still reflected on as that first impactful moment. So it's, you know, sometimes it's not in the big answer. It's in the little one. You know, and, and some of the questions that we've 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 gotten for tonight is how can you promise you know forever or trust for forever? And what we're hearing is, is these little steps. Um, and I and I know that all of you have had isolation at some point in the beginning for a period of time where no one else knew, um, and you felt like you, there wasn't anyone to to go to. You've you've all spoken to that. Um, would it be helpful to ask? the spouses to when you are then go, coming out to friends and family to check in with friends and family to check in on you to make sure that their wives are being attended to. It's because it sounded like from, from Mary, um, it can be annoying to always be the question, how do I look? How am I doing? You know, maybe one of the answers for tonight is making sure that all of you are being supported by as many people that know. Am I getting this out well? It's jumbly. Yeah. So of the questions that we're seeing tonight, I think that, you know, some a simple check-in and making sure that, you know, maybe, and I, you know, being isolated seems to have been very hard. Do any of you wish that you had come out to friends and family earlier in the process and expanded your circle of awareness earlier? Was that ever like a, a thought, a reflection back? Uh, yeah, I can say I, I wish. I mean, we lived for, oh my gosh, 18 years, I don't know, 15 years maybe, where I didn't tell anyone and we were going through all these changes. Uh, I didn't tell anyone in my family. No one in Bree's family knew, none of my friends knew. Um, and it was incredibly difficult and isolating. And I like to call it the time I had to filter myself because I would be speaking to someone and they would ask what I did last weekend. And I couldn't say to them, well, Bree and I went out to such and such an activity and did this. And I'd have to catch myself because I couldn't mention Bree. I could only talk about Brian. So I'd have to constantly stop and think to myself, okay, pronouns, name, possibly the bar we went to or the people we hung out with. Um, and I have to edit that in my head <laughs> in order to protect this secret that we had. That wasn't, I even felt my secret really. Um, it was more her secret that I was being forced to keep. Um, so it was, it was very difficult. And I really wish sooner I had trusted um, some of my close friends 
And Brie had told me for years, talk to someone, tell your best friends, it's fine. We'll deal with it as it comes out. And I was too scared. I was too scared about what they'd say. I was too scared about what it could do to Brie's career in the military. Cause at the time there was no open trans service. And it was an incredibly isolating and difficult time. Mary, I know that um, you know you had talked about, and it, in, you had said in your in 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 the book, um, you know your circle of friends was so important to you, and then the loss of their friendship when when you came out, you all moved, and we had to move. Yeah, you we wish were... now you had just crossed that threshold earlier, knowing everything that you know, and just had moved earlier. Well, I really couldn't because it was really up to, I mean, there was a fine line. Tina had to come out at work. She was still, we were both still working at the time. So I not, well, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything until she did. Because if I said something to somebody and it got back to her people she works with, she could lose her job. So I couldn't do that. Um, so I, I had to wait for her. And I was very disappointed that I thought I had friends that I thought were my very dear friends that weren't. And I just was so isolated when we did come out. That's why we just said, we just have to move, get away from this. But yeah, there was no, I don't feel like I had an opportunity or an option to say anything earlier. Yeah. I probably could have to my sister, but like Peg said, I was afraid what she'd say, she, you know, and how she would, what she would think of me for staying in this relationship. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, so uh, Kimberly Morris is writing, um, having seen two out of the three guests stay true and be the cornerstone of their spouse's life. I wonder what was the scariest part and how could um, someone who's trans better approach the conversation or situation? It sounds like Peg, you had a pretty scary part in worrying about, and Mary too, worrying about the loss of your job for Brie, the loss of her job. Yeah, um, we are, I, I have a degree and I worked up until we had kids. And then um, the plan was always for me to stay home until they were in elementary school and then go back to work. and. That stretched on and on of me staying home. So losing our main source of income. And Bria always told me, it's going to be okay. We have marketable skills. We will pick something else up. But the Air Force was also her other love. It was something she had dedicated her life to. And I didn't want her to lose that. Um, I knew it was such an important part of her life. And I think... I can actually narrow down to probably the scariest time was we were stationed in Colorado and Brie had to run on base. She got called on at the time she was Brian and only coming out as Brie uh, to friends. Our family didn't know, the majority of our friends didn't know, but we were developing a trans network, um, which was very nice. But she ran onto base and she was in a secured area. So she wasn't allowed to bring her cell phone. She walked three feet in the door, realized she had her cell phone, turned around and said to the guards, hey, I just walked in with my cell phone. 
what do you want me to do? I mean, you saw me just walk in the door and they said, well, it has to go in and it has to go through security and we have to check your phone to make sure you haven't taken pictures of anything classified. Well, on that phone were pictures of Brie, a lot of pictures of Brie and a lot of pictures of Brie with her friends. So this phone, then she calls me and says, we have a problem and tells me what happened and says the phone is going to security services and they will be checking through the phone. They'll be checking your pictures. They will be able to see emails. And this part of our life might be coming out in a time when there was no open trans service. And I was terrified. Absolutely. And it felt, oh, it felt like they had that phone for about a month. And I just sat there waiting for the call from her from work saying, they know they're going to kick me out because in my mind they were automatically just going to call her in to the office and immediately just kick her out of the military and um it was terrifying i think it was honestly only about a week or a week and a half that they had the phone but it was the scariest time of my life even scarier than when i told my family which did not end well <laughs> for me but this was truly terrifying i was looking at the loss of our livelihood the loss of a job that my wife loved and was such a part of her core self. And I was truly terrified. And in the end, security called her in and said, we may have seen some things on your phone that does your family know about this? And she said, yes, my wife is aware. My family is aware, which is a little bit of a stretch, but um, my wife is aware. Can you be blackmailed by anything we found on this phone? No, I absolutely cannot be blackmailed. All right, we're just gonna agree that you're good. And they sent her away. And I don't know who in security services knew about what was on the phone, who had seen it, what had gone on, but I, I'm incredibly thankful to that person for just saying, this has to go no further. You're good, we're good, and sent us on our way. But it was, I think, the scary, one of the scariest things that has ever happened in my life. Wow, thank you. And I see you nodding your head a lot. Would you like to, has there been a moment for you? Oh, you're muted. I can't really, I, I can't really think of anything right now. Um, you know, conversations that we've had um, have, have been scary um, on both ends. We're hesitant at times to, to bring things up because we're not sure how the other one is going to take it or what we say could be just, you know, like I'm gasping for air or something. Um, so right now for me, I would say just some of the conversations we've had have been, have been scary. Um, but we've able, we've been able to talk through it and, and, you know, work it out. So I'm not, at, for as far as work or anything like that goes, um, not not there yet. So, um, Mary, do you have a story for us? What was the question? <laughs> um, are there any? And I, I have a. I'm in my mind from reading the book. I'm wondering which the answer will be. But was there a like a scary moment? Um, let me go back and and 
read the whole thing. So wondering what was the scariest part and how could someone who's trans better approach a conversation or situation? So Peg just took that down like the the terrifying yeah. round. I think it was more like scary about conversation. Uh, I know that you had had fears from a safety standpoint with Tina having to um, present as Tina before she had all the support of hormones and, and surgeries. Yeah, so we lived in New Jersey, uh, uh, 25 miles west of Manhattan. She worked in Manhattan. I worked um, traveling all over the country for my job. And she, she had to go to a therapist for a year at least, but she went to therapist all her life until she finally transitioned. But she had to present herself as a woman for a year before they would give her hormone treatment. And so she would come to New Jersey, change and get on that train and go back to Manhattan. Or sometimes she'd take clothes in with her and change and walk around Manhattan. And she did not pass in any way, shape or form. And I was so afraid that she was gonna get beat up, killed. You know, it, it's happening, it's happening every day. And, but on the other hand, I was so angry at her because I didn't understand what she was doing. I was so angry at her and I was so mad that she was taking Tom away from me that I refused to go in with her. So she had to go by herself, but I would, I was just scared to death. And whenever she'd come home, I finally take, I can let the breath out, you know, she made it. She's okay. Yeah, that was very scary times. The one thing I was going to say about uh, the pronouns, Peg brought up, I think it was Peg brought up the pronouns. I remember I, I was working uh, as a project manager in IT and I worked from home and then I'd go on project sites, but I was on a lot of conference calls at home. And this was in 2012 and 13 when she was going through all of this and at home, I'm trying to call, this is when I finally accepted her. At home, I'm trying to call her by her pronouns, she, her, hers. And I'm on the phone with my colleagues and they'd say something about their spouse. And I'd say, oh yeah, well, she's right over. And they'd say, she, who are you talking about? You know, that was really complicated. People would start asking me, what, what are you talking about? She, her, who are you talking about? And I couldn't tell them any of that, of course, what it was. I said, oh, I don't know, I just made a mistake. But that was that was something, who would think you'd have to worry about that, but, you, but I did. Thank you. Um, so one of the, I'm, I'm monitoring all the, the questions we have coming in too. And one of the ones that I had wanted to ask was, um, after a husband comes out as transgender, to their wife. Do you have any advice as to what the next step should be? So I, I know, you know, with a lot of our audience, this is new. They haven't come out to their spouse yet, or they have a little bit, you know, once that first topic is, is broached, I, and I know this is like freshest for you, what do you recommend is the next step? Because I'm sure they're terrified. You know, they just dropped this this bomb, um, what should be their next step? Everyone's muted. Um, that's really hard. Uh, 
because there are so many emotions going on when you hear it. I mean, even, even though I knew from the beginning, it was still a check when Brie told me that she wanted to be Brie. And it was a check when she told me she wanted to go out and be Brie with other people. And then when she wanted to transition and we would talk about it and we would talk it through and we'd look at it from every angle. And then I would just be so tired. I would be so tired of trying to be supportive and make sure she got what she needed, trying to figure out if I could get my kids what they needed out of this situation, trying to figure out what our family would think, what our friends would think, who would support us. And I honestly did not want to talk anymore. I would get to a point where I was like, I don't want to talk to you. I love you. We will figure this out. But for a minute, you just have to step back and let me process and let me figure out what my next step is gonna be. Cause we can talk about your next step till the cows come home, but I need to figure out what I need to do next. And like Mary had stated earlier, you know, you stay at first to support your spouse through, okay, I'm gonna support you through coming out. I'm gonna support you through telling your family, through telling our friends, through telling our kids through doing all of this and it's one step after another and every so often you just really stop and say I need this to be about me for five minutes and that means I need you to back off and I know you want to talk about this and I know you want to take the next step and the next one and the next one because you are rearing to let who you truly are out and be the person that you know you are and want to be but sometimes you need to break that. And for you, the, place, the pace is probably gonna feel glacial. I know it did for Brie. She felt like she was being held back. And on the other hand, for me, it felt like we were running so quickly towards something that I wasn't ready for that I needed her to stop just for a second and not talk about anything other than, hey, did you go out for lunch today with so-and-so? Or, hey, do you wanna take the kids out to dinner tonight? Just give me a few minutes before we have to discuss it again or before you drop the next thing, just pause and ask me, are you ready? And if I say no, please respect that. Wow, Peggy, you are right on. That was absolutely right on. Thank you for that. It's funny. I, I hear you describing Brie and it sounds like me with my husband because I am the person who gets focused on something and it's like, okay, this is the project now. We're going, we're going, we're going. <laughs> this is my personality I'm hearing. <laughs> so thank you for the reminder for myself just in general to take a step back with my spouse. Um, you know, and it's, and, and it's again, it's, it doesn't sound hard time, space, respect, boundaries, communication, like those are, those are big, hard things. But, um, you know, as in answering a, a, a question, it seems just like patience and kindness is like the answer to so many of the questions that our, our audience is asking tonight. Um, legally, logistically, I'm interested in what has it been like for you as, as wives and, um, you know, like Tina transitioned before um, gay marriage was legal. I know, and you, Mary, you had touched on travel. 
you know, what did this mean for your jobs for, for the rest of you? What has this meant? Has this meant anything with have concerns about um, the, the logistics of life? Legal documents or just how we function with getting, you know, the kids to school or, or things like that. I think I talked about, oh, I'm sorry, Peg, were you going to say something? Oh, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, about a lot of those things that you brought up. I also told, I just had Tina, she was responsible for taking care of changing her name, changing social security, changing everything. It was up to her to do it. She, she It was her change. It wasn't me changing and she needed to do it. So I didn't do any of that for her. I um, just had her do it, but I did have a lot of concerns about things like, would I lose my job? Would she lose her job? Would I lose my pension? Would she, you know, what about marriage? If we didn't uh, divorce and she transitioned and that was before same-sex marriage, were we legal? You know, I didn't know. So we, I had a lot of worries, but um, so far so good, yeah. What about for, for you, Peg? Your children are young. Um, were there, like, how did that work with just school drop-offs or, you know, things like that? Um, that was incredibly difficult, especially pre-transition when Brie was around, but not everybody knew about it. But even though our families knew about it and our friends knew about it, you know, random moms at school didn't know about it. Uh, their teachers didn't necessarily know what was going on. Um, and it became very difficult. I remember one specific instance, our oldest was, oh, I think she was about eight or nine. Um, and our youngest, oh crap, she was in kindergarten. Um, and our oldest had a problem at school. She had a little bit of a breakdown and her teacher called me and said, hey, I need you to come. Catherine happens to be under a desk and pretending to be a cat and she's very upset. <laughs> It's a very awkward situation. Um, and at the time, Brie was there. And I'm running to school to help my oldest daughter who is going through something and having some issues. And I realize I have to pick up the younger one from kindergarten and they will bring her out and they will not release her to anyone that is not me or they do not know. I have no way of getting her and I'm here with Brie and they do not know Brie. So what am I going to do when I have to go take care of my older? They're in the same school, but I can't get to the kindergartner. I can't send Brie up to our older daughter because they don't know Brie and they're not going to understand. And it was just this cluster of stress that I thought, oh my God, can you just transition already? Because I am so tired of not knowing what to do when you're presenting as feminine not everyone knows and little things like that. I mean, it's, it's a small situation where if your spouse isn't trans and you say, okay, you go pick up the little one, I'll take care of Catherine. She's very upset and we'll work this out. But it became this massive traumatic experience for everyone involved over something so small in the fact that she was wearing a wig and a dress. Um, and when it comes to our kids, our youngest, we never hid it from her. So from birth, it was just part of her life. Sometimes daddy looked like a girl and she thought it was kind of cool because she thought she was a princess and it all worked out. Her oldest, um, she kind of knew, but we, 
when she was younger, we tried to keep it from her more because we were scared of her saying something to someone about, oh, well, daddy was dressed up yesterday and it hitting the wrong ear or, so we kept it a little from her and we talked to her about it. We fight over the age, Bree and I. I think she was five or six and she thinks she was a little bit older. Um, but we told her and we explained what being transgender was and she just kind of went, okay, can I go back to my computer now? And we're like, oh, well, that was very accepting and unexpected. So I think kids are so malleable and so open to who people are and to have so few prejudices that it was so easy with them. And it was just so much harder to live life in that confusing state of in-between. I hope I hit the question. I may have that. Yeah, that was that was that was excellent. Um, and and I actually I have a, a pronoun question for you. Um, when when I have chatted with and spoken with Miranda, um, it's I have approached her as she her, and you know one of the things that we've established when we've had um, like when Mary came on, um, you know I did the disclaimer in the beginning that we're going to talk about. Mary's husband as he, Tom, in the time before transition so that we can understand and follow the timeline. But Anne, I noticed you referring to um, Miranda tonight in they, and as Miranda lives dual gendered, is she preferring they, or is it easier for you to use they pronouns or, or, or in just speaking about the, the crossover? It's a whole new thing to me. Um, and I'm actually kind of learning about the pronouns and stuff. And I'm trying to really respect everybody's feelings and, you know, their wants and their desires and their needs and their, you know, everything. So um, I actually, I don't remember, like the last couple of days, uh, I saw somebody, a friend of mine, post on Facebook something about, you know, Pride Month, getting ready for Pride Month, and da 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 da. Um, and I just, okay, you know, I we are the dual gendered. We're we haven't gone through transition yet. We haven't, you know, done anything like that. So still has both, you know, the male and female modes. Um, I, I just they 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 and honestly tonight's the first night that i said that so yeah. <laughs> i'm but again it sounded, I'm it sounded like you sounded like so natural for you I, I, <laughs> i'm trying i don't want to offend anybody i don't you know so i, I just it, it makes sense to me if we're still doing the the you know the presenting as both male and female at different times I may as well say they, so yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I appreciate you being on and sharing and sharing that it's so fresh for you. Um, so for those who, I mean, um, and, and I feel is, is being so modest um, and, you know, she, she is a club member of my feminine heart. She takes yoga with her spouse, Miranda together as a couple. And I know at least last year, or I guess two years ago, because there was there was no pride last year in person because of COVID. So already two years ago, two years in would have been for you. 
you were volunteering alongside Miranda at Pride. So that's, I mean, go you. That is pretty tremendous for finding out after all that time, decades together, raising children together, two years into this huge bomb drop, you're right there at Pride not knowing what's going to happen because you're living the, the dual gendered life, which has, you know, has changed, has been changing over time. So really cool story about that. Um, we, so yeah, we did, we, we did the, we did the pride, um, down in Fredericksburg, um, my first ever pride. Um, but we had a table, um, with the group that Miranda, um, belongs to is a part of um and so you know we're at the table and you know people are coming and 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 talking to them and everything and I remember there was this this one person who had come to the table and um just hesitant about the whole I don't know just was just standing there and 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 I could tell that there was something, there was something, um, walked away and I, I grabbed Miranda and I said, do you have one of your cards? Because I think that person could use it. Um, and so sure enough, went over, she grabbed her card and found that the person and, you know, Hey, if you need anything, this is our group blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was just, you know, I was really, I, I thought I did that. I, I was the one that had to, you know, scurry her and have her go find um, this person again, because she didn't pick up on that. And we all know Miranda is the helper in this. Um, but I was, wow, no, that was, that was me telling her to, so. It was so yeah, I've I've done the pride. I I did the um I we were at the transgender day of remembrance. Was is that the one that's October, I think, right? Um and I remember that one again, the same park that we were at for pride. Um, but I will say this one, you know, we've talked about um being a little um uh, oh, what's the word? Defensive, I guess. Um, I remember there was a group of men there and they were, you know, kind of getting loud at times. And, and I remember having on my, my coat of armor and, and wanting to, I was ready. I was ready to fight anybody who, who came up to us and started, started anything. But I think for me, that, that is a big thing too. I, I find that I am more protective of Miranda and I am always cautious when she goes out by herself uh without without me you know to meet other friends and stuff um I do find that that I am cautious and okay you need to tell me that you've gotten there you need to tell me when you're you know you're on your way home um and that's how I felt that day too I was I was protective of of the whole group um Luckily, nothing happened, but um, but still. So I've I've done a couple of things. Um, it's it's been fun. It's been fun. That's wonderful. Uh, so Ashley Glennon, who is uh, a club member who joined us this spring, 
Uh, she has newly come out at work and she's been sharing the, this, this process with us. Um, so one, she wanted to, um, she's watching this with her spouse, with her partner right now. So um, to Anne, her partner is sending you a big hug. And she has a question for, for Peg and, and Mary. Um, do you feel like you knew all along that eventually your partner would fully transition? My partner would love to hear your thoughts on the process, science, et cetera. I'll go first. Okay. I had no clue. Absolutely no clue. Um, like I, I, I said early on that um, we were dating and we started to get serious. And that's when Tom told me that he, need, he has this uncontrollable desire to wear women's clothes, but I didn't have to participate or see it or anything. So I had no clue what was coming down the road at all. Speaking of the devil, she's right behind me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, it, and so when it would ebb and flow, she would be Tom, very Tom for, uh, I don't know, I want to say three years. And then Tina would come in and then Tom would come in and it started getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So it was, you know, three years and then two years and then one year. And then, then it started, it was just, Tina wouldn't go away. And so I had no clue that she was really going to transition until Tina wouldn't go away again at the end, until Tina wouldn't go away. And I knew that Tom was not happy and was suicidal. So I was clueless. Um, I also was caught a little bit by surprise uh, when Bree first came out to me. We didn't even really know the term transgender. Um, she was 20, I was 21. We were young and Bree didn't even know in herself what she wanted to do. So it's been a growing experience for both of us. And every time she tells me uh, from the time that we first met, she would always tell me, well, I just want to dress up at home. And then it became, I just want to try going out with someone or well, even before that it was, I just want to wear some makeup. Then it was, I just want to get a couple wigs. Then it was, I just want to try going out with some friends. And there was always something else she wanted to try and the one step further she wanted to take it. So looking back, part of me thought, oh my God, as I realized what being transgender was and what transitioning was, and I learned all about that. I thought, is she going to do that? And then I kept saying to myself, no, she's not. Because she's, she's told me that this is just something she likes to do on occasion. She's not going to want to do that because she keeps telling me she doesn't want to. And I believed that. And then she kept changing. And it was one more step and one more step. And then it was, no, I want to live dual gendered. I am completely happy this way. I am comfortable. I get to be both sides of me. This is great. And I thought, okay, great. We finally hit our, our level. And we're gonna be good from now on. And then it was, I wanna transition. And every time I thought to myself, you should have seen that coming. You should have seen the next step coming. And I really, I didn't, cause I believed her when she told me that she only wanted this step or she only wanted this little bit. And I realized as I'm saying it, it sounds hurtful and horrible, but it was hard. It was hard looking back and feeling like 
she almost lied when I think part of her may just not have understood what she wanted. And then she took that next step and she felt better. And then she took the next step and she felt even better. And that's wonderful for her, but it was so difficult to feel every time, like you should have seen that coming. And I wish that she had talked to me more throughout the process than she really did. Thank you. I know that this is like a, 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 a tough process for everybody and it's, 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 it's so much easier. And that's why they call it, you know, hindsight is 2020, you know, looking back and seeing and seeing those signs. Uh, so I have lost all track of time. Usually we wrap up at nine o'clock. It's 930. I have this beautiful message coming in um, from Beth McKinley. And she says, this has been so insightful. Thank you for giving of your time, experiences and feelings to help create more understanding and supportive network. Um, no matter where you are in your journey, I'm so grateful for having met you all virtually. I hope to meet you in person at future events, especially Keystone. So I do want to say that um, if any of you think that you are going to walk through the halls of Keystone or first event or any of the conferences <laughs> um, and go unnoticed, that is over. So I, I, I promise you um, at future events, if it has not already been happening, you are going to have um, some of these like, you know, ladies coming up and, and thanking you for your time. Um, this has been, you know, and, and said she hasn't found her, her spouse support network yet. Maybe this is, this is the start. And there's a lot of, a lot of spouses at home who are feeling isolated and alone and who haven't told anyone and who's you know helped so much by your stories tonight um i know that that you've all been involved and have reached out and and, and given of yourselves in the in the community and volunteering one way or another um if you have any resources that you'd like to share uh any support groups that you want to mention tonight please please do so now um Mary, we'll, we'll start with you because I know that you've spoken a lot, but you also, you have Tina's book, um, if you'd like to share any of that information. Yeah, I think a lot of people find, find I hate to be the one to, you know, promote my wife's book, but it is good. <laughs> it's and, good. And let me see if I have a copy of it right here. I had one. It's, uh, it's called Between Shadow and Sun, and it is... Um, on Amazon, there's there's a Kindle version and a soft cover version, and there's a lot of information in there. And she updated the back <clears throat> section of it with a bunch of information if you need um, to do some research or find information in the back. But the I think a lot of people find it helpful, so I would recommend take a look at it. And I'm gonna go see if I can find one and hold it up. <laughs> very, I will show my. It's, it's digital. It's on my phone. Oh. <laughs> but I think it's it's um, Between Shadow and Sun, like the extended title, if I remember correctly, A Husband's Journey Through Gender, A Wife's Labor of Love. That's exactly right. Yeah. Make a fan. Good job. Yeah. Um, and I know Brie has a book coming out later this year. So I've been pushing her that when her book comes out to please come on the show. Peg, if you'd like to give a plug for that. And I know She's involved in Sparta as well, but if there's anything you'd like to promote. Um, well, I did um, 
I did get some help from the Sparta families page um, when Brie first came out. Um, and honestly, the people of Sparta are all wonderful. And sometimes it really helps to have some trans friends who have transitioned and questions you can ask them about how they're feeling that you might not be comfortable asking your spouse or worried that you're going to hurt them somehow, but yet you feel more comfortable asking a friend because you're so worried you're going to hurt your spouse. Um, things like that really helped me. And I am more than willing, if you want to find me on Facebook or get my information from Cassandra, I'm more than willing to talk to anyone who needs it. Um, Bree does have a book coming out and I am a horrible wife because I can't remember the title, but I can picture it and there's a flag and <laughs> I can see the cover. Well, I'm a terrible wife, it's, but she does. It's on um, members of the transgender members of the military. Yes. And it is a good book. I helped edit it. So it's a wonderful book. Wait, um, and did, didn't Miranda contribute to the book? So yeah. Yeah. All these connections. Wait here, uh, uh, Mary, go ahead and hold your book up. So this is, this is Tina's and Mary wrote the foreword between shadow and sun. You can find on Amazon. Um, Miranda, what was, uh, or Anne, what was Miranda's contribution? Does she just write a, a chapter or? I don't know. But we'll be able to read about it this fall. Yes, it's a wonderful book. It's coming out. And Miranda has her, her own section. There are sections with stories of different people. Um, Bree is actually also in talks to write a second book with a professor from the Naval War College. Um, so they are putting together a new book um, to bring out on, I believe it's on trans policy, but don't quote me on that because again, horrible at remembering these things. <laughs> But if you go to her Facebook page or just Google Briefram, I'm sure you'll find it. Thank you. And we've, oh, so you, um, and Anne, what was the podcast that you and Miranda spoke on? Yeah, like Peg. Um, oh God, I, I, we met her at, she came up to us, um, I can't even think of her name. Marsha, I think. Marsha? Um, the, uh, oh, trans the, the Day of Remembrance. Um, we had been there and, and you know, uh, and she came up to us at the end of it and, and said, oh, I'd love to have you all be on a podcast. And okay. And so we did. And um, I'll have, I'll have Miranda give you the the link to it because that stuff Please is over Miranda if you're watching um uh, she is <laughs> um please share that comment because I'm I can picture it in my head I've heard it so I um mm -hmm. it's say right. what is right. the name of this podcast uh but right. we will make sure all the links are provided so if you are watching tonight um this is, you know, recorded. We put this on our site. This is archived on our site forever. You can listen to um, Mary and Tina's story, Brief Ram's story, and Miranda's story are all on our, our website, their interviews, as this will be as well. Um, and every week I send an email letting you know what's coming up that Tuesday night, the upcoming week, and then in case you missed it. So I always follow up our episodes with these links. So I will be sure to put um, all the links so that you can read more and listen more um, 
to these incredible journeys shared by all these people. So thank you so much. Um, and we did, we have Elizabeth Taylor and Miranda are popping in um, the book for Brie with honor and integrity, transgender troops in their own words. Thank you. Um, the podcast, thank you, Miranda. Marsha Stonehill, Melt the Ice. Um, and yes, so thank you all so much. I'm sorry if I wasn't able to get to all the comments. There was a fantastic conversation going. Um, that's the one thing we missed when I put it on the website. If you wanna see these comments, join us on Facebook. If you're listening to this podcast, we're streamed around the world. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, let me tell everybody what we have coming up um, for Pride Month. We're so excited. So um, this coming week, if you're joining us for the first time, we do something every Tuesday. Sometimes we are live streamed to our public Facebook page and sometimes we do stuff just on the club member side. So this coming Tuesday next week, one week from tonight, we have a club member social. So all of our club members, we are having a Zoom social. The email goes out tomorrow where you can register for the link um, and then you will have it ready to go for Tuesday night. We're gonna be playing a game because I don't just do socials. I find ways for everyone to get to know each other. Um, sometimes in our Facebook group, people will introduce themselves and they will always say, you know, I'm post-op or pre-op or I'm full-time or part-time. Uh, and there's so much more to this beautiful community than just where you are uh, in your journey. So I always try to find ways to help navigate conversations, pull out, you know, fascinating parts of your life, your hobbies, your interests to help create deeper connections and friendships with each other. So in doing that, our icebreaker game next week is two truths and a lie. Um, and I know so many incredible stories of our club members. This is your chance to share them. So you're gonna, we're gonna break out into our little mini breakout rooms, which will revolve. So you get a chance to talk to everybody in one night. But in little mini breakout rooms, you're gonna share three outrageous statements, wild, wacky, whatever, about yourself. Two true and one totally false. And the rest of the people in the group have to guess which one is the false one. So it's just another great way for us to socialize and get to know each other even better. Um, and then the following week, so we have um, some of Anne's family coming on. The following week we have life coach, Liz Tattersall, who is uh, Miranda's sister. She is a life coach and a health coach. And she's gonna be talking to us about relationships and sharing real life skills and tools that you can use to have a better relationship with everyone in your life, from friends and family, to coworkers, to um, romantic partners. So for people tonight that are interested in, you know, how do I communicate better with my spouse? How do I come out? Or how do we navigate each other's boundaries? These are things that Liz is gonna be coming on and teaching us. So it's a perfect follow-up to tonight. Um, so very excited for her to be joining us. And that will be Trans Tuesday Live. So that'll be right back here in two weeks. And then the following week, we have a long awaited, book club. So our first ever book that we are going to be discussing, our club members are going to be joining us on Zoom and leading that discussion. So ladies, um, if you are have, you haven't grabbed your book yet, grab it because we're going to be chatting in a few weeks this month on Trans Tuesday. So we have so many exciting things coming up for the month of June. 
I know that there's a lot of um, pride events. Some have been thrown together a little last minute because of you know, the ever-changing world that we're living in with the pandemic. Um, but I hope that you are able to find an in-person event or a virtual event um, to celebrate this month and to help connect with the greater community and find more resources. Um, before I sign off tonight, I'd like to ask all the ladies, is there anything left that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share? Any last thought or piece of advice? Anything left, left in your hearts? If not, it's okay, but I just wanna make sure we've left nothing unsaid. I think um, the big thing that I just wanna say is keep trying at your relationship it's so hard and there are so many times that you just want to say i'm done i can't deal with this anymore i can't take one more revelation i can't take i can't take you asking me to do one more thing but looking at it from the other side of the transition is that it's it's worth it to stay with this person that you love and to try really hard to work through it and if that means couples therapy or therapy on your own or whatever you need to do to get through it or even just going off by yourself for a little while, just please keep trying in your relationships. It's really important for yourself to know that you did everything you could to keep this going. Um, that's just my thing. Thank you. Any other last thoughts? I was just gonna say, basically a lot of what Peg said, totally agree with what she said. Um, keep the line of communication open that's that's a big thing too um and and you're allowed to both of you you know get angry get upset um but also you know make sure you come back together and and talk about it as well um um that's that for us that's a big thing so thank you and i would just say just take it one day at a time don't make rash decisions harshly, quickly. Just take your time. Thank you. And all of you at home, all of your homework is if you ever see these ladies out and about, you better ask them how they're doing. <laughs> Do a check-in. Um, and if you only ever see each other virtually, check in virtually every once in a while too, since we now live in the world of Zoom and, and text and messenger. So thank you ladies for all the insight that you shared tonight. Thank you to our audience for joining us, um, for your, your comments and your questions. I thank you all so much for your time. You all have changed my life and I know that you have changed the lives of so many people just by being here this evening. Thank you. Love to you all. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Club members, I look forward to seeing you next Tuesday night for a social. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.